Matthew 6, 25 to 34, says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. Right. Okay, good. Let me restart. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Hmm, interesting. Nor about your body, what will you put on? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you that even Solomon in all of his glory was never arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much? He will not much more clothe you. Oh, you of little faith. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What will we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all of them. But seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow is going to be anxious about itself. Sufficient is the day, sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So I went to seminary, like every good lead pastor should, whatever. And, uh, and I went to seminary, and I was in a class where they teach you how to preach. I didn't learn much. But I did learn what not to do when one of my peers was handed this text and told to preach a sermon on it. Well, this sermon was a train wreck because they focused on the imperative, the command. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. And then they preached the rest of the sermon through the command. Don't be anxious. Stop it. Just, has anybody seen the Bob Newhart video? It's old on YouTube. The Stop It video. Bob Newhart, Stop It. It's on YouTube. Somebody's probably going to pull up the link and put it on Slack. That's fine. Don't watch it until I'm done preaching. But, but it's like, it's this whole video where the therapist is like, stop it. And that's what this sermon was like. It was like, you anxious? Stop it. And you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know that that's what Jesus is doing here. It was a great, great sermon on what not to do. So I'm going to start with a question here that I want to hear from you because I think the question gets us to be a little bit more reflective in this passage. So the question I want to ask us to do, to answer, is just a historic question You've learned coping mechanisms. You've lived in your life. What have you done to increase peace in your life? 
Share it on Slack, please. What are things that you've done to increase peace in your life? Maybe some of you have said, well, I've tried something, it didn't work. Sure, whatever, you could, you could put that in just to be like, it didn't work. Or what have you done that's actually worked, that's increased peace in your life? I'm putting, I'm putting peace on the opposite side of anxiety. I'm putting these things together. You know, just let's, let's consider this. What have you done in your life um, about peace? So, Hopefully today's sermon is we're going to do better than that sermon that I heard in, in school. And I was glad that I only heard it in school. I'm glad that it didn't get out because our class soundly rejected it. So there's three things that Jesus points out about anxiety that's going to give us a foundation to overcome anxiety. Full disclosure before I start, I have dealt with anxiety and I still deal with waves of anxiety. It's something that just is. In many of our lives, it just is. And uh, so I've learned a lot, and I've, things in this message come from practices that I've experienced with, uh, but also from Scripture. So things here have worked for me, and I do believe that they've worked for many other people. Um, yes, I love it. I'm getting so many things. Um, things that, that have brought you peace. Getting involved in church, uh, happy wife, happy life. Um, all right. Mindfulness. Uh, someone else went the opposite direction, just said, I, I tried stopping, or I, I've stopped trying to please other people, all right? Uh, had children, yep, that brought you peace. <laughs> Delighting in God's word daily. Um, <laughs> Craig locked the doors, don't know what that means. <laughs> um, reading more books, watching less news. Took part in Promise Grants right? Um, getting the tasks done that are pressing on the mind, taking a walk in the forest, stop making focus of my life, fixing everything by myself. I wrote things down. I accept things I can't change. I learned to say no. You guys have done a lot of things that create peace. You know, this is, this is awesome. Um, I, I'm going to come back to that in a minute, see what else has, has shown up. But the value of my life, the value of your life, is rooted in God's definitions, not mine. The, the value of my life and your life is rooted in God's definitions, not mine. Is, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing, Jesus asked. Is it, where are you placing your value See, I believe that your destination, where you're going, is better than your current location, where you are. Your destination's better than your location. Jesus picks out some of the most common things that we worry about. Immediate needs for provision. If Jesus was speaking today, Jesus would more than likely include the need for safety. That this, this obsessive, compulsive need that we have that everything is safe, especially for our children. We worry about that a ton. The question is, what defines your life? Is it that you're safe and provided for? Is that what defines the mission of your life? Is that at the root of who you are, what's defining you, 
Or is there a greater purpose than just the immediate? The question drives us a level deeper. when, When Jesus says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing, he's asking a question that drives us a level deeper than what's immediately in front of us. He's rooting us in something that's, that's beyond the stimulus that's happening right now in your life. He's saying, I want you to look at what value, what defines you, what, what, what actually is your purpose. And he's pushing down because it's only when you get into the foundation of purpose that anxiety can lift. If I live in the immediate Anxiety can be overwhelming, but when I, can, when I can get below the what is it really about, then life can actually be different. You know, sometimes Jesus takes the, the, the question of provision on directly uh, by saying, God has provided in the past, so why would you worry about the future? But it opens up to a new problem. Well, I'm not worried about what has been. Because, you know, what has been might not dictate what will be. And so we overcome the looking at God as the past. We, we, we still look at God in the past and say, yeah, yeah, God was faithful. But just because God was faithful, I don't know if it means that God's going to be faithful. And Jesus is like, okay, wait, right? So, so we've got this, this piece where... Jesus is picking out what we worry about and he's driving us deeper and he's taken us to the point of saying God has been faithful so don't worry but what he's really doing is he's driving to what you really believe what's your life about is it defined by the immediate is it defined by the current pressing needs is that what your life is about or is your life greater? Is your life, not, is, is your life not more than these things? Your destination is more important than your location. So somebody said, you know, what have you done to increase peace in your life? Somebody said, keeping my attention on the goal and not the distractions and noise all around. Beautiful. That's grounding, right? I read a quote that once said, if you know how to worry, you know how to pray beautiful right again you're grounding you're saying okay god i've got all these immediate stuff let me take this to you in prayer because you're grounding in something that's beyond yourself acknowledge the sovereignty of god and rest in that while acknowledging that those choices and actions i get to move into be mindful of your words Physical health and mental health are related, so focus on making myself physically healthier by eating better and exercise, and it increases peace. Time spent with mom or a car ride with dad, a walk with your dog, a FaceTime call with your brother, participating in church, hugs from people, right? It's so good. These things are amazing, and you guys need to reflect on these because these things do increase peace, but really what God wants us to do is what defines your 
life. At the root of it, take everything away. What's the thing you can't take away? My kids go to school, and my kids don't, they're, they're not on screens a lot. We, we don't really watch a lot of TV. Um, we don't do iPads and blah, blah, blah. So they're, not on, they're only on screens when the school's shut down, and they're on screens for school, right? And so they're telling their peers at, at school about how they don't do a lot of screens, and they play imaginary stuff, and they read, and they play with their dolls, and, and they're and their friends at school say, how do you even live without screens? What defines your life? What can you take away and your life is still there? What can be removed from you? What is at the core of who you are? Shoot, we don't think about this often. But Jesus brings it up when he says, is not life worth more than these things? Isn't life worth more than these pressing desires? See, God values you. Matthew 6, 26 says, look at the birds of the air. Jesus is showing these birds as rather insignificant. They're just birds. They're just birds. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they are? You are more valuable than the things that God takes care of every single day. You are more valuable. What do you believe about this? What do you believe in your heart of hearts? What do you believe? Do you believe that God is going to just leave you high and dry? With nothing? Do you believe that he'll be faithful to everybody else but not to you? What do you believe about this? I have a, I have a question. This is probably just a little bit of a sociology question I'm interested in. Is humanity more or less valuable than it was 2,000 years ago when Jesus spoke these words? Think about what you believe about humanity. Is humanity more or less valuable than it was when Jesus spoke these words? Think of all we've done. Think of the way we act. Think of the culture that we've created. Are we more or less valuable? It's an interesting question. I'm interested to see how you guys respond. Help comes from understanding God's value of you. For some of us, giving up anxiety is a constant trust exercise. Question's real. You can actually ask your anxiety things, and this is a little bit of externalizing. You can ask your anxiety things. Who defines the value of my life? Who sets how much I am valuable? Is it my job? Is it how much money I make? Is it, is it my status that's shown by what type of car I drive? Remember, I like Audis. I don't drive an Audi. Is it, what, what is the thing that sets the value of your life? Who defines it? 
If you're anxious about material provision, who says that you're valuable enough to be taken care of? God does. God says you're valuable enough to be taken care of. If you're anxious about safety, who places value in the preservation of your life? God does. God cares about your life. If you're anxious about your children's safety, who places value in your children's life more than you do? God does. God does. But even there, Jesus asks, is not life worth more than this? It's worth more than just getting by. Your destination is better than your location. Okay, so question about humanity. We have the same value. Somebody wrote, is your children, is your child worth more or less as they age? Um, depends on how they age. I'm kidding. It, it may not, actually. You know, some people are like, well, more as they age. You, 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 you're attached to them more. I think God's been very clear that he cares about every single person, no, how, no matter how young or old. So no matter what we or others may say, God is on the record as loving and caring each person. God defines my value, and my value has not changed since the universe first sparked to life and will be the same value at the end of times. Brilliant. But anxiety would have you believe differently. Anxiety lies every single day. It lies every day, and it says that you aren't valuable that God isn't watching out for you. It screams in your ear that no matter what you do, what precautions you might place, that it's not enough. Something bad is coming. And it drowns out the value that God has in your life. Now, between the braces and the pacemaker, Rainia is worth quite a bit more in terms of scrap metal. <laughs> One of my most favorite quotes is, you woke up with worth. Before you had a chance to do, say, or not say anything, you had worth because God declared that you have worth. You have worth. And this becomes the foundation to speak in the face of anxiety on a daily level. This becomes something that's deeper. Jesus is crushing the, the, the superficial, immediate needs, and he's pushing down, saying, who determines your value? And the answer, the clear answer that Jesus gives is God determines your value and you don't get to change that. Your circumstances, your situation, your life doesn't get to dictate your value and your value means that you will be taken care of, that God has you today and forevermore. He has given you far more, far more than anything this world could ever offer. And he's given it to you 
freely and he says, you have value no matter what hell comes your way. You have value and I'm holding you and I'm carrying you through absolutely everything. And somebody in this room needed to hear that right now because it affects you on a visceral level. You have value and anxiety is a liar. Matthew 6, 27, which of you by being anxious can actually add a single hour to his span of life? I'm approaching a year since my father passed away. And he lived with me for 11 years in our basement apartment. We knew that he was not going to go into a nursing home. That's not who he was. He was a hermit. He lived alone. And I knew that one day I was going to go downstairs and find my father dead or dying. It was just going to be a fact. I knew that because he spent 99% of his time in that apartment and he was never going to leave, this was just how it was going to end. But it caused me great worry. How am I going to act? What's going what's to happen? Will I know what to do? Will I be able to help? Will I be present or will he be down there for a few days before I even noticed? Very real anxiety, worry, concern. I'd rack my brain about it. Which of you, by, word, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life or the span of the life of your family? I realized that in my anxiety, get this, I had to react to every single possibility of what could happen. If you've experienced anxiety, you know this. The imagination plays out in your head, and you have to create an imaginary response. The problem with the imaginary response is that the imaginary response can only answer an imaginary scenario, but that might not be the scenario that actually happens, so you come up with a new scenario and a new imaginary response. And again and again and again, the cycle repeats because there's imagination on top of imagination, and I realized that none of my imaginary responses actually accomplish anything. So I don't even know if they worked. Disabling. Troubling. Almost impossible to get through. Almost impossible. I learned something on the day my father passed. Actually, the day I found my father. He had a aneurysm in the back of his head. And it was bleeding into his brain. He lost his speech. He was completely disoriented and he was on the floor. And I walked in, in reality, this is actually what happened. And I walked in and I saw my father on the floor. Breathing, but incoherent. A situation that I had imagined millions and millions of times, but never been able to act 
appropriately in because all my actions, I didn't know if they would be enough. My first realization was my father is a, was a larger man and I'm not a very strong person and there was no possible way that I was ever going to be able to move him from the floor. I realized immediately the only thing I could do was rub his back and find out if he was okay. So I rubbed his back, I called him, and I realized that he couldn't speak. Garbled speech came out of his mouth. So I'm assessing, and, and I know intuitively this wasn't imagination, this was real. I'm first comforting. I just sprung into action. And then recognizing that this is beyond my scope, I can't do anything beyond comfort at this point. So I call 911. All my imagination had this as this big moment that I would be paralyzed, I would be crippled, I wouldn't know what to do. Yet when the reality faced me, every action I took mattered. Oh, that's different. In anxiety, my actions I take don't matter. In reality, my actions mattered. I knew the value of my father's life, and I knew the value that I placed in him, and so I acted. I stayed with him until the ambulance and the fire department arrived. They assessed him. They thought he was having a stroke. They took him into the hospital. I got a call 15, 20 minutes later that they needed to do brain surgery or they needed to do nothing. And I already knew my dad's wishes. I already knew that he had a DNR, that he, that he did not want any major medical intervention. He knew what was coming and he was waiting for it. And so I knew the answer. See, the reality of what I had been anxious about for years, the anxiety was harder to carry than the reality was. The death of my own father. I know it's not a Sunday morning topic, but think about this. Anxiety's a liar. It's a liar. I used to be worried about my girls getting injured. I still carry it. But I've learned that God values my girls. God values your children more than you ever can. And God has a promise and a blessing for your children. He has gifted us eternal life. And sometimes we look in the here and now and we blank out. We, we forget that life is more than just the here and now. But life that's being given to us freely by God, our Savior, our Father, is eternal in nature. And so the anxiety that I carry about my girls, I now go, God, you care for them more than I ever could. Oh, it's still distracting. It's still, it's still hard. But, there are, but I can turn it into prayer. And I can say, God, I offer it to you because you're competent, you're capable, you can do this. And, oh, my fears that I carry, man, I know that when I walk into the situation, when I walk into the situation, the Holy Spirit's going to be with me. I'm going to walk through it. I'll walk through the impossible. Um. 
Is it for no good reason? Worrying, is it for no good reason? Is there a way to separate thinking through and being prepared from worrying about what could come? Is there wisdom in looking towards the future and saying, this could, this could happen, so I should take this precaution? Yes, there's wisdom. Absolutely, there's wisdom. But in wisdom also comes trust. In wisdom comes trust. Rooting ourselves in the truth of God is a vital tool in confronting the lies of anxiety. Sometimes anxiety requires us to say these four words. This is not real. Could be real, but it's not right now. This is not real. For all of you who've experienced anxiety, this is not real. Because guess what? As soon as it, it is real, it's not anxiety anymore. Now you're responding to a real situation. You can confront your anxiety with the truth. This is not real. And it starts to loosen its hooks that drag you down. Someone said, wait till your kids start to drive. That'll make you pray harder. <laughs> as I'm turning 30 and nearing the end of school and into my dream job, as I'm taking, as I'm ta talking sta taking stage story of relationship and it's going well, I've noticed lots of anxieties of everything I have to fix and prepare so this goes smoothly. And God said, quit trying to do it alone so I could breathe. Maybe meeting in community with others can help us with our anxieties, recognizing God is also there, the one who could do so much more. God values you more than you value you. Okay, so I'm going to get you to ask, answer this question. What is a truth verse that you have used to root yourself in your life? What I mean by that, it's a verse that you could go to, a verse that you're just like, this has meaning to me, God has spoken to me, and it was a verse that matters because we have to get to truth. Anxiety demands us to get to truth. And Jesus' question is, life not worth more than this? pushes past the immediate, dives into something that roots us in truth. It's when we can get to these truth statements that we believe at the core of us. This is why Jesus ends this section with, seek first the kingdom of God. There's something greater. Your, your destination is better than your location. What defines your life? Your life is not defined by the same thing that defines the life of those who live for this world. It is not defined by the same thing that the Gentiles use. Status, clothing, safety, money, job security. 
Your life is defined by the by a purpose of putting all your eggs into the basket of God's kingdom breaking into this world. I pray more so every day that our life would be defined by a vision of the kingdom of God rather than by a concern that's happening at work. God's kingdom's breaking in, your material provision will be taken care of. If God's kingdom is breaking in, your health will be taken care of. If God's kingdom is breaking into this reality, your fear of death will be taken care of. If God's kingdom were granted this eternal life that was given for free, where we live with God and all things are made right, your destination's better than your location. Some of the verses that are coming out Test these. See if they work for you. Be still and know that I am God. That works as a breath prayer, eh? A breath prayer is like this. You take a couple words and you just repeat them all day long. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. That's Psalm uh, 121, 1 and 2. Abide in me and I in you, and a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me, John 15, 14. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. In the beginning, God Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of contentment. And in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Philippians 4, 11, 13, used in its proper context. If Jesus is enough to take two fishes and five bread and feed 5,000 people, then he's got enough to worry about my worries. That was said by my daughter. That's cool. These verses are reasons for you and rooted foundation for you to confront anxiety with. Anxiety is lying to you. This is not real. This is not real. Your imagination can continue to work, but your imaginative responses will never satiate your imaginative needs. That cycle will continue to disable you until you can root it in where is your life got value in the person and the love of Jesus Christ. He chose to give it to you before you woke up this morning. Jesus inspires us with deep, penetrating questions about the roots of our concerns he asks us to trust him. I'm going to get us to stand. There are people in this room that have experienced a lot of anxiety. I know this to be a fact. There are people in this room that experience moderate amounts of anxiety. And there are people in this room that have no idea what anxiety is. As we stand, I'm going to ask us 
to pray. Actually, you know what? I'm going to ask you to gather in circles, in groups right now. Just gather in groups. It's probably going to cause somebody anxiety, but this is actually happening. <laughs> and in this smaller group, if anxiety is something that you've carried to the people around you, just simply be like, yeah, that's me. That's me. I've carried anxiety. It's, it's been a problem. God values you, and he cares about you. We're just going to pray, kids, if you guys can just wait in there for a minute. Thank you. God values you and cares for you, and he loves you with an everlasting love. And so if there's somebody in your group that's identified, hey, that's me, then I'd encourage you to just put a hand on their shoulder, let them know that you're there, whatever is comfortable, somebody near them. And I'm going to pray. God, I just pray for every person that is experiencing anxiety. Jesus, I pray that you would, that you would root them this week in deep truth about who they are. Jesus, that you would root them in an, in an eternal reality that says that you have them through hell and high water, that you will carry them through to everlasting peace, everlasting joy, and there is nothing that will stand in the way of that truth. And Jesus, I pray that in the moment that they would be able to confront anxiety with truth that says this is not happening, this is not real, and Jesus, I pray that you would put their mind onto the eternal things of the kingdom of God. I pray for healing for them. I pray for peace for them. Jesus, I pray that, that we would be a community that carries each other through and that you would be glorified in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.